I am so happy that we finally made it to the weekend. This is Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. The other night, it was a bit noisy up here in the mountains, just some wind rolling through, and and I think we woke up a couple of times, and, and as I would try to lay down and fall back to sleep, I was kind of thinking about this radio program, the impact it may or may not be having, how is it doing as a podcast, what kind of topics should we be talking about, and what kind of times are we really living in today? I've never, I've never in my lifetime seen some of the anger that, that just something like politics can bring to the surface. And I'm thinking back 1972, 74, 76, when I voted presidential or gubernatorial elections at that time. I just don't remember people getting bitterly angry at each other, cursing at each other. I'm sure there was some of that somewhere, but it certainly wasn't in my world, in the communities that I was living within. But it certainly is an issue today. And I was trying to in a sense, dissect in my mind, how, how do we ever get to this point? Where did all this hatred and division occur? Now, those on, on the left side of the political spectrum will always blame the other side immediately without even you know, doing any fact-checking of their own. They, they like to say, well, you know, President Trump caused an insurrection, yet they totally ignored all the fires, the burning, the lootings, and the shootings that occurred Oh, starting in May and ran all summer. And the what was what was the word that um, the the mayor of Seattle, uh, her last name is Durkin. What what did she call all of the insurrection, burning, looting, and destruction that occurred? I mean, they took over a police precinct and kicked everybody out. They took over government buildings. They took over private businesses. It was a what did she call it? I don't know. We could have the summer of love. A summer of love. Did you hear what she called it back then? Well, let's put this into a bit of perspective. Everybody gets all upset about the small group that made total idiots of themselves breaking into the Capitol building. And the same Democrats that called uh, Trump you know, militaristic and dominating, they're screaming to have the National Guard protect their their little love fest in D.C. right now. I mean, they, they they need cover from the military. Suddenly, the military is important, though they can sleep in a parking garage. Let's put this in perspective. The big deal you saw back on January 6th did not involve thousands of people breaking into the Capitol building. It was not that many people at all. When you look just, just at Seattle, Washington, just at Seattle... By early June, they had several deaths. Two people died. I think more than that after. 604 arrests and a half a billion with a B dollar. You know, $500 million in property damage. Making it the second most destructive local unrest in the entire history of the United States. But see, 
what, what did what did the mayor say back then? I think it shows a complete lack of understanding of why people are in the street. They're in the street fighting a system of domination, and he doesn't understand that. So let me stop right here. Make sure that I I completely understand this. If you're rioting for a cause the left agrees with, people being killed is okay. Um, a half a billion with a B dollars of destruction. Not a problem. It's the summer of love, don't you understand? That you have every right to exercise your freedom of speech by destroying other people's property, by taking over a police precinct, by attempting to destroy a federal courthouse. See, they never said a word about any of it. It was fine. We just hated Trump so much. We'll burn our own cities down. Do you understand the kind of mental illness we're dealing with? We can burn our city down to get rid of Trump. When you think about it, and I really wasn't planning on getting into this on the show today. I really have some very important things that I I think you're going to enjoy. But I just wanted to say a few things as I'm looking back over these last weeks and months and all that has transpired. The media, the infected media, they're infected with some kind of horrid disease. They get on the TV... I remember the guy at CNN. Well, what was the word he used? A mostly peaceful protest as he's standing in front of a, a police vehicle that's been set on fire. Buildings are burning down. People have been shot and killed. People have been hit with things and killed. But see, that's acceptable collateral damage to the left. Because see, it all helped to get rid of that evil Trump character that they didn't like. I have never in my life seen the kind of stupidity that I'm seeing today in leftist politicians. The ends justify the means was always the motto under the Soviet Union and even in China when the communists took over. Anywhere the communists take over, the ends always justify the means. In other words, we can kill millions of people if needed if we get what we want in the end. And so when I look at the Mayor Lori Lightfoots of this world, the Mayor Durkins of Seattle, and, and you know, and what's his, the guy in Portland, Oregon, they don't care if people's property gets destroyed. They don't care if those that cause riots and fires and burning and damage are never charged because, see, that was for their righteous cause, you know, the anti-Trump cause. I, I just stand amazed. These people have no soul. They have no heart. And they have no brains. They kind of remind me of the group going to see the Wizard of Oz. You know, I don't have a heart. I don't have a brain. Don't even have any courage anymore. Where did all this come from to bring us to this point? That's the question I want to ask as I start the program today, and then I'm going to kind of explain where my thought process has been going. Our country is in big trouble. It has been in big trouble. Even if Donald Trump was reelected, it'd still be in trouble. Because you have you have such division in our nation. And here's what 
this is what I thought about the other night. Prayerfully thought about the other night. Those of you, for the most part, that listen to this particular radio program and as long as I can get away with it podcast, those of you who listen on a regular basis, in many ways, as the old expression goes, I am preaching to the choir. I get it. And there's nothing wrong with that as we kind of reinforce and help each other get through this process of the life that we are given in this world today. I'm just trying to give you some information that you can use and understand and and try to break it down a little bit. You can watch the well-paid talking heads on, on cable and satellite TV, and a lot of what they have to say is true. I was thinking, what really bothered me as I'm trying to go to sleep the other night, I'm thinking... Who benefits from all this division? And the thought occurred to me. Take the right and wrong out of the equation just for a moment. Because, you know, you and I both know it is wrong to take over a police precinct just because you have a political grievance. We know it is wrong to set police cars on fire and throw water at them and spit on them. We know that's wrong. We know that breaking into private property and stealing, you know, what does going into a Target store and looting all the good stuff out of it and running into the street with a 65-inch flat-screen TV, how does that protest, how does that protest George Floyd? What did George Floyd have to do with you stealing a TV set? Yet we're supposed to understand that. And we have these prosecutors that say, well, maybe they needed that TV set, so we're not going to... This is what it's coming down to. Then I recognize something. As I'm trying to tie this together, have you ever done this? You're trying to say, how did we ever get here? 50 years ago, when I was in high school, we thought it was bad enough that we had gone through some of the rioting in the late 60s and, and the protest about the Vietnam War. I got news for you. As I look back now, the cause of the Vietnam War protest was vastly more righteous than the nonsense that we're getting today and the civil unrest. Most of the people that got involved with the Black Lives Matter protest about George Floyd didn't know who he was, knew nothing about the case, didn't want to know about the case. They just knew they were going to get stuff or they were going to be able to, you know, we can, we're going to go downtown and we're going to burn down a, an auto parts store. What's that have to do with George Floyd? What did, what did advanced auto parts ever do to you? What did they ever do to George Floyd? All this was total nonsensical, uncalled for, and idiotic. Yet the Democrats used every bit of this to keep the division rising. There's something that I I worried about in the fall. After all these riots, with the pandemic, with the shutdowns, with businesses going out of business, I had this fear, and you probably heard it in my voice if you listen, and I would say, you know, don't count on what you think's going to happen. 
there's a, a, a significant group of people that really don't follow the news. Let me say that again. There is a significant number of people that never follow the news at all, period. They listen to music on their iPhone. They might see an occasional political piece uh, somewhere in their Facebook feed. Or they watch late night television, not news, but television. And they think that they are in the cool crowd because they listen to Colbert and whatever he has to say. And so they are ill-informed, and they have been fed a few carefully edited sound bites, and that is the sum total of their knowledge on any given topic. In other words, they're totally ignorant on most important things. They can tell you uh, who the celebrities are and who the celebrities hang with, but they don't even understand how our government works. And they believe, and this is one thing, both major parties are guilty of this. I'm about to tell you something, and I, I don't want to get anybody mad, but let's be honest. Telling the truth is not a commodity that is really important to the political parties. Now, one political party values the truth less than the other. That's true. But they both have engaged over the years in uh, manipulation of fact and truth. You know it, and I know it. I look back over these past four, eight, 12, 20, 30, 40 years, and I see how the American people get, you know, pushed hither and fro, and our government, more often than not, if we're intellectually honest they play off that division ever since ever since the senate became a 50-50 mess with the election in Georgia and once again I will tell you this my instincts tell me I've lived in Georgia for a long time even though we live in Florida, too. I mean, I understand the two states better than any other states. Maybe the only other one that I know a good amount of is the upstate of South Carolina, all this region. And I've lived and worked in Atlanta over the years. And I I kind of understand how things work. I also know politics is a dirty game. If you go back a couple of years ago, 2018, when we watched the House and the House go back to the Democrats, and we saw a, you know, we saw the governor, the new governor of Georgia, Brian Kemp, got elected. By the way, he was the former Secretary of State for the state of Georgia, if you want to do some mathematics in your mind. And he won by a pretty substantial amount. And at that time, now here's the key. I want you to remember this. Remember, we have a home in Georgia. We split our time. But I I can't vote here. I vote in Florida. I, I don't try to play the game that some people have tried to play. I can't do that. Won't do it. 
it's it's illegal. I am a Florida resident. I am a, shall we say, a vacation resident in the state of Georgia. But here's what I know. See, back in 2018, there were no mail-in ballots. There were no ballots that had unverified signatures. There were a lot more protections in play to avoid, shall we say, questionable voting. I'll be kind. We'll just call it questionable voting. Illegal voting. And in a honest election, Brian Kemp wins. But then we have the pandemic of 2020, and we have the fact that I don't care what anybody says, Brian Kemp used, he used President Trump to get elected, then turned his back on him like many of them do. They get in there, now they figure they can build their own dynasty. They made some, shall we say, terrible deals and decisions early in 2020 in Georgia that were never approved by the Georgia legislature to allow certain things to happen in Georgia that had never happened before. Got a good friend of mine. We keep in touch. And he was doing some, shall we say, investigative work in these last months trying to determine in many areas where, especially where the number of new voters had increased, shall we say, abnormally, started driving to these addresses that people were putting on these ballots that they were going to mail back. And he's finding nothing but open fields that have never had a house, a home, not even a farm on them. They're just trees and brush. Not even a driveway. No mailbox. He's finding them all over middle to east Georgia. That's just the one area that he worked in. Sometimes he would find a P.O. box, you know, hiding as a commercial property. uh, And instead of calling it Mailbox 43, it would be something like, you know, 35 Any Street, Apartment 12. Well, that's really P.O. Box 12. They're making this stuff up. And addresses being reused for totally different people. So there's no doubt in my mind, regardless of what Governor Kemp and the lying Secretary of State of Georgia want to tell you, that it was all legit. No, it was not. You know it. The problem is you're involved in it up to your eyeballs. You're a part of the crime. And you're trying to cover your own tracks That and the fact you never liked Trump to begin with, it doesn't bother your conscience at all because your conscience is seared. If I lived in the state of Georgia, I'd be signing papers today for a recall election for both of those clowns. They were arrogant. They fought to even have an investigation. If if you know that what you're doing is honest and above board, Remember, the Bible says, abstain even from the appearance of evil. Apparently, wherever Brian and Rafsenberger go to church, they never learn that lesson. Abstain even from the appearance of evil. So when you're busy trying to dispose of potential evidence, scream bloody murder that you're being persecuted, when all people want is the truth, 
if I was the Secretary of State of Georgia or any other state, and somebody came in and showed some compelling evidence, and I watched some of the hearings, maybe some of you didn't, but I did. I'm going, man, some don't look right here. The first thing I would be doing was saying, you know something, we need an investigation. Let's get some professionals like from the Georgia Bureau of Investigation and double check some of this stuff. Let's verify the signatures on those ballots. Doing a recount means nothing when you have the same corrupted ballots being recounted again. If a thousand ballots don't belong there, get rid of them. If 10,000 don't belong there, get rid of them. If a hundred thousand ballots, which it may be, are tainted, well, that would have changed the election in Georgia, wouldn't it? So why were they fighting so hard to hide what they were doing? Why did they want to keep the evidence in darkness? The only thing that loves the darkness is evil. And I this is what I'm this is my concern. And these are so-called conservative Republicans. You lost my my support, even though I can't vote for you here. You've lost my my moral support because you chose to to cave into the appearance of evil when you had a an real easy opportunity early on to fix it, which would have also corrected any potential problem in the January 5th election. The same problems, the same illegal voters, potentially anyway, at minimum, people that are from other states using a hotel address for a day or two to claim they're a Georgia resident and no one's going to follow up and care. The swamp, I've said this before, includes both parties. One just happens to be, well, more brazen about the things that they that they have been inspired to accept than the other. I have found what what has been disturbing me. I really didn't want to talk politics. I can't. I'm, I I kind of apologize, and and so bear with me. But I just needed to get this off my chest. And this is this is universal worldwide. This is not just a United States thing, okay? Politics can be a very corrupting industry. This program is heard on the Voice of Hope in Africa on Saturday. And it reaches into many nations right now that are in political turmoil and corruption. Many. It's just a fact of life. It is also a fact of life that we're having corruption literally worse than third world in the United States, in my opinion. We have phony leaders that make phony promises who are phony conservatives and talk moralistically, but their policies. You know, one thing the Bible teaches, let me make something clear. And I want you to take this one as they say to the bank. Sometimes the best leader for a nation may not necessarily be a follower of Christ. Even the Bible teaches that sometimes you have to be, you know, wise. Many of the rulers over Israel were not godly people. 
Even David wasn't godly. He had an affair with a woman and tried to have his, his her husband killed on the front line of battle. So I don't want to hear about, well, this person has a moral failing. Well, so did many of the rulers over Israel that were anointed to be leaders. So, so don't, don't even go there with me. Politics is a very lucrative business. And it really plays upon a person's pride. There was a time in my life when I was in my 20s and 30s, I, I thought about kind of re-gearing the things that I was doing because I showed an interest in politics. But I realized that serving my Lord Jesus Christ and ministry, even though I may not reach thousands of people, millions of people, those that are entrusted within my sphere, I'm going to serve. Serving my Lord Jesus Christ is vastly more important than political aspiration. Now, I'm going to say one more thing before I kind of conclude this first segment of the program. I, I Like I say, I didn't really want to get into the politics, but, I, but something just says we've got to make some things clear. It's amazing how fast these same Republicans that uh, were turning their back on Donald Trump are now all worried about the Senate. We need your money. You'd be surprised how many solicitations I get by text and email. We've got to fight this horrible agenda. Well, you had a chance and you refused to do it. Let's go back to 2016. There was a Republican House and Senate that chose to do very little except be obstructionist. And that includes Mitch McConnell, of all people. Can you figure that out? Then Mitch is in trouble. He's gonna, he may lose his seat, so he's you know crying to Trump to save me, and he does. Then he turns his back on him. I, basically, I see too much corruption in both parties today. If the Republicans want to earn the vote of people of faith, they're going to have to make a real major house cleaning. They're going to have to divorce themselves from destructive things. Something else. A lot of people make a big deal, and I'm one. Uh, people that claim to be Christians or Catholics in particular that voted for a pro-choice candidate and a pro-choice agenda and they try to justify it by saying, well, there's not much. Yes, there's a lot you can do. Don't give me this. There's not much we could do. A lot can be done. And so you can't excuse yourself. Here's what it boils down to. As Christians, we have to make certain decisions if we understand a biblical concept. Now, this is universal. This is not just United States, Canada. This is the world. This is the world of politics in Kenya, Uganda, anywhere you can think of. It doesn't matter. England, Australia. If you're a Christian and you get into politics, you've got to make a decision early on that anything you vote for will never be in a compromise to your faith. Well, 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 Bob, what about the what about, you know, the constitution this that and the other? Then if you 
are going to have to make votes that compromise your faith, then don't run for office or resign from office if you're already in. Period. When it comes to your faith and what the Bible teaches, you can never be duplicitous. Have you ever heard that saying in the Bible? You remember when Jesus called his disciples and a lot of them had excuses. Well, you know, some some have died. And Jesus says, let the dead bury the dead. Politics is a dead game in the things of eternity. It's dead. I mean, it is dead. If it comes down to, in terms of politics, see, the polit- politics and government never should replace the church. And too many people tried to use politics to enhance the church. It doesn't work. Never has, never will. All we end up doing is allowing our religious freedoms to continually erode when we fight these kind of battles. You can take that one to the bank, too. So the idea that we were going to vote in all the right, good, moral Christian people into office and make the world great for Jesus to come back is bad theology. Really bad theology. A lot of people that claim the name of Christ in politics compromise their faith way too often. There are certain jobs Christians should never do. I mean, let, let me let me put it this way. I'm going to be very blunt and, you know, take it for what it's worth. Do you think that a Christian could work in a, shall we say, adult bar? When I say adult bar, I mean that's where women take their clothes off. Do you think a woman of faith a Christian that loves Jesus Christ is trying to do her family right. Should they? Would it be acceptable unto God for her to work in one of those, you know, strip clubs, gentlemen's clubs, whatever you want to call them? Well, of course not. Then, when you get into areas of life and death in politics and you choose death over life for expedience, you've compromised your faith. We are in this world, not of it. When we get into politics and it becomes consuming, then we become of the world and not just in it. And this is one of the difficult problems we're running into today. Not being able to discern the important aspects of what it means to be a true follower of Christ. We're coming into a different time. And and this is what concerns me. I, I talked about it a bit on Wednesday, about how we stay connected and the things I'm I'm beginning to explore. And I could always use, hey, if you want your advice is always appreciated. What are your thoughts? I still believe in the power of shortwave. I think there's great opportunity out there. There's probably more possibilities we need to take advantage of while we can. I don't want the church to be caught ill-prepared. 
I think the pandemic taught many a church that we were surviving just fine week to week to week. We'll, we'll get by. We're getting by for the Lord week to week. And the doors got shut. A lot of churches, they shut down. The offerings disappeared. Then they couldn't pay their mortgage or rent or their pastor. A number of those ill-prepared churches will never open up again. Some churches that weren't preaching the gospel, I pray, never do open up again because they're they're just misleading people into hell. We have a great opportunity before us because of the pandemic and because we as Christians need to make a decision right now. Are we of this world or are we in this world? And if we are only in this world, then what is our primary responsibility and how do we accomplish that? This is Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. The way of the universe in a moment. Shalom Aleichem. This is the nice Jewish boy, Jonathan Kahn, your Jewish connection, bringing you the riches of your Jewish roots in Jesus. Now get your pen out as fast as you can so you don't miss out on receiving a special free gift you're going to get and love in a moment. Now, God made the sun to give light. God made the rivers to give life. God made the clouds to give water. God made the trees to give fruit. God made fruit to give seed. God made seed to give birth to flowers and flowers to give perfume. So why did God make you? He made you for the same reason, to give. And that's why if you're living your life to take from this world, to get, your life is always going to be empty. You were made to give, so you can only find the reason you live in a life that's full by a life of giving. God made the sun to give light, and he made you to give the light of the gospel to those in need. God made the rivers to give life, so he made your heart to flow in the river of his spirit to give life to those around you. He made the trees to give fruit, so he made you to bear the fruit of the spirit, love and joy and peace. And God made the seed to be sown in the ground and bear a flower, so God made your ego to die to self and to bear a beautiful life. God made the flowers to give perfume. So God made you to bring forth the sweet fragrance of Messiah. God made your life for one purpose, to give. Sum it up in one word, love. God made you to love. You want to be full? You want to be fulfilled? You want to overflow with joy? Then give, give love, give light, give hope, give peace, give affection, give a hand, give your possessions, give help, give money, give the gospel, give forgiveness, give encouragement, give acceptance, give love. Your life and every part of you was made to give. Your heart and your hands and your mind and your will. Give, it shall be given to you, pressed down, over flowing love my friend because it's the reason the universe exists and you too want more ask for tithes and offerings now how'd you like to receive something that we want to give to you special daily meditations and teachings with the riches of your jewish roots in jesus to give you victory for every day of your week and updates on israel and prophecy a free subscription of sapphires and the incredible the mystery of the temple doors all free you'll love it how do you get it easy. Just remember Jesus' Hebrew name, Yeshua, and dial it. Just dial 1-800-YESHUA-1. You'll be blessed, but call now. 1-800-YESHUA-1. Now, I invite you to join me in the Great Commission to bring salvation back to the Jewish people and to reach millions of unreached peoples around the world on five continents. Just call now. 1-800-YESHUA-1. That's Y-E-S-H-U-A-1. Or write me direct, the nice Jewish boy, box 1111, Lodi, New Jersey, 07644. That's a nice Jewish boy box, 1111, Lodi, L-O-D-I, New Jersey, 07644. Till next time, this is Jonathan Khan saying, Shalom Aleichem, peace be to you, my friend, in Messiah, Hamatan, the gift.
This is Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. And welcome back to part two of the Friday and weekend edition of the program, Truth to Ponder. Some of you people listening on the weekend, especially like on the Voice of Hope in Africa, out of uh, Zambia, and maybe even on WRMI, you've heard the program as your weekend show. It's hard to believe, really, that we are almost almost getting ready to celebrate our sixth anniversary. This program started, the first recordings were made in, um, toward the end, the pilot program, which aired, was produced in February of 2015, end of February, and I'll have to look it up, but I think it was the second weekend in March was the the first actual airing of this program on WRMI. And I can't remember exactly when. It was on the weekends, Saturday and Sunday, a couple of airings on a couple of frequencies and, and even more so as time went on. But it was just a once-a-week program. And I felt even back then there was a real importance to using international shortwave radio and i'll explain why in just a few minutes if you are new to the program i want to give you both our website and mailing address before i forget i may run out of time and i want to do it now if you've been listening and trying to figure out what kind of a program is this our website is truth the number two ponder.com truth to ponder we couldn't get it with the word so we had to do truth and the little number two the word ponder.com truth the number two ponder.com hopefully over the next couple of weeks i'm going to do some updates to the website some changes and uh, anybody that wants to that does web work get a hold of me I'm, I'm needing some help on this i'm trying to explore so many things right now like you know how to best distribute the program as a podcast i've been using uh, two systems for quite a long time i started way back in 2015 with a little small account with spreaker that i allowed it to grow and uh, even for a while hosted some of the old episodes but that became very very difficult to do effectively of course things have changed quite a bit in the last several years and then i added anchor which both distribute to other platforms like um oh i think i you know the iphones can hear it that way from certain sources and what have you so it's out there on two platforms that then push out to a few others as well. But I'm always afraid someday, maybe not next week, maybe not next month, maybe not till the end of this year, that eventually one of those platforms may say, we don't like what you're talking about, so we don't want to air you any longer. So I got to be trying to stay at least one or two steps ahead if I can to have a backup And it's not as easy as it sounds. I mean, there's a lot of work that's going to be going into this. And so kind of keep that as a matter of prayer, if you'd be so kind. Just one of the things I'm looking at, and not just for this program. I want to come up with a a platform uh, 
even if we're using some of the others along with it, in addition to, for other people that are Christians that have program ideas and the Lord's laid on them, whether it be a teaching program or something like what I'm doing, looking at the the world around us in the eyes of Scripture, that we can work together to get this word out. The mailing address, we're in Georgia still, and one of these days I'll tell you why we're up here as long as we are this time around. has to do with some family issues, and I'll explain later. But we are at 21 Berkshire, B-E-R-K-S-H-I-R-E, 21 Berkshire Lane, number 263, 21 Berkshire Lane, number 263, and we are located in the city of Sky Valley, two words, Sky Valley, Georgia, 30537. That mailing address again is 21 Berkshire, B-E-R-K-S-H-I-R-E, Lane, Number 263, that's the little P.O. box they give us here in the city of Sky Valley, Georgia, 30537. If you want to help us with the the airtime bill, we just sent a payment off for KVOH, and then we'll have another one coming up for WRMI. And so, you know, it, it, it keeps coming each and every month. Now, the one for KVOH has been coming pretty much out of our pocket Uh, And I'm willing to invest in it for a while to see if there's an audience out there. And if it is, great. We will continue. If there is not, then I need to decide where we need to be, you know, placing what we have coming in. And there are so many opportunities. Shortwave, I really believe, in the months and years ahead is going to be important again. We've learned one thing in this this election cycle people that were saying and i'm one of them i talked about this earlier this year even last year on the weekend show that companies like google and facebook and twitter are not really your friends and i had friends a lot of them in ministry saying oh yes but we like to use youtube we like to do facebook live for our services now that we're and especially when the pandemic hit how many people had their telephones on a little stand and they're trying to somehow stream their worship service on Facebook Live because they had nothing else they could do. They they never nobody ever envisioned the day that a government mandate would say you can't go to church. Now it's bad enough that a lot of people that are supposed to be going to church don't go to church when they could go to church. But suddenly Suddenly, in cities like Chicago, you dare open up a church, we will tow your cars away. Do you remember, I think it was Kentucky. Yeah, Kentucky. A police department. Now, this was a church. You ready for this? This is what, I look at this, I've looked at the video a couple of times to this day, and I'm still amazed. In Kentucky, of all places. I think it was Tabernacle Baptist Church. Can't remember the name of the town. It'll hit me later doesn't matter decided to have a drive-in church service okay a drive-in church service nobody's going to get out of their car nobody's going to go into the building nobody's going to do any of that stuff everyone's going to stay in their car with the windows up 
and they can listen on their car radio in many cases and another story for another day but still so they were going to do this church service and nobody so you have all this wonderful built-in social distancing and what did you get a pile of police cars out there and, and you know they're out there with their little face diapers on and they're writing tickets to people sitting in their car because the boneheaded idiot mayor we gotta shut the churches down democrat i might add too they they decided they gotta shut the world down you know churches more than any other business were singled out in more ways than i care to discuss if you're a walmart you were opened if you were a Target, you were open. If you're a major grocery store chain, you were open. If you were a big box store, you made a fortune during this pandemic and local businesses were shut down and destroyed. How many long-term health and mental issues will we have from the destruction of the economy? All in the name of science. From Dr. Fauci, the fraud the most highly paid person in all of the United States government. He makes more money than anybody else in the United States government, including the president. Anthony Fauci, who kept moving the goalpost week in and week out and still does, depending on the political winds that he's trying to to satisfy. Churches became super spreader infection centers in the eyes of governments especially in blue states and democrat run cities the more democrats were in charge the more churches were put under the foot and heel of these god-hating governors god-hating mayors reprobates pure reprobates every one of them a retrobate phonier than a three dollar bill as they say Isn't it amazing, magically, since Biden was consecrated, inaugurated, whatever you want to call it, coronated, the president, how quickly people like St. Andrew Cuomo the Pious of New York, the governor there, what was it that he said? We simply cannot stay closed until the vaccine hits critical mass. The cost is too high. We will have nothing left to open. And of course, the same kind of pattern appeared in in states like California, uh, cities like Chicago. All of a sudden, the urgency is to, we gotta start opening up again because the economics, uh, well, you know, everything's better now. I am deeply troubled at how many governors, how many mayors, how many people that ran cities into the ground, willingly I might add, how many did it for the health and safety of the people in their state, or how many used this pandemic for a political agenda? I try to believe, I try to believe that they didn't really use this, but I can't be convinced otherwise.
it is just too coincidental that in a matter of days after the inauguration of Joe Biden on the 20th of January, that all of a sudden we're beginning to hear right about the same time, well, we we need to open up New York, need to open up California, need to open up Chicago, need to open up all these places that didn't matter if your business is permanently gone because you're bankrupt and broke. And always remember this, every one of the people that said you must close your business, you must stay home, you must go broke, you must go bankrupt, you must lose it all, they were getting their paychecks. They never suffered anything. Government workers, they just worked from home or didn't work at all but got paid in many cases. Yeah, I saw that. People that really didn't have anything to do, they just kind of pretended they were working from home in government at the state and county levels and they got their paychecks federal employees how many federal employees got laid off didn't get a paycheck how many state workers do you know that that were told you're you're unemployed now how many county level employees were let go because of the pandemic but you Like in California, they have those inspectors out there demanding, you shut down, you go broke, you go home. We don't care if your family starves to death. We don't care if they never get around to another round of stimulus or whatever it takes to keep you afloat. We don't care. We want you shut down. We want the economy destroyed. We want Trump gone. Unfortunately, unfortunately, I think that had a lot to do with it. Do you think the world wanted Trump gone? I believe they did, too. I think China did. And those that depend on China will do China's bidding. So much misinformation for so long from so many places. And after the inauguration of Biden, well, wait, 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 maybe maybe our testing system is giving us too many false positives. We got to fix that. And give it time. Give it time, my friends. You will see something that I started to recognize when I came out of retirement and went to work in emergency management for a few months. That any way they could make a COVID death from a death that could be done, they did. There's so many little stories of the absurd, but... What about those that are not quite as absurd? I've said it before and I'll say it again. This pandemic can be dangerous to a number of people. I've had one family member that had a very close call. He's only in his 40s. But he had several other underlying conditions and didn't seek treatment when he should have early on. Tried to tough it out. If I'm having trouble breathing... If I'm having issues, I'm not going to tough it out. Especially when there's so many treatments now that are available that work. That really do work. Some of those treatments that were laughed at last year will suddenly become into play now. 
which shows the politics, the dirty politics of a pandemic. See, politics, politics can be an evil game, even for those that think they're fighting for a righteous cause. If you're going to be a Christian and be in politics, you have to make a hard decision. I said it just a few minutes ago. I'm going to remind you again. There are going to be times when you're going to have to choose between political expediency and your faith. All too often, I see the expediency over faith. And at that point, you have to make a decision to stay in politics or get out. Will you do what God calls you to do or do what expediently will get you a vote? keep you in office, keep you in power. Those are some hard decisions. And unfortunately, too many politicians in all parties make the wrong choices. We as Christians need to understand something. The world never has liked us, certainly has never embraced us, and never will. The spirit of Antichrist is already in this world. This is some new territory for people in the United States. It's been gradually building for 25, 30 years. Most people didn't notice it. There were a lot of people sounding the alarm in the late 80s and early 90s, like like Phyllis Schlafly, Eagle Forum, who talked about the takeover of the education system in this country and the danger And too many Christians just, you know, ignored it, yada, 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 we just move on. So our kids in school, we'll fix it later. Or we, you know, when we have the opportunity to say no, too many churches were building gymnasiums and better sound systems instead of schools. And too many that built schools built them as a profit and money center, not what they're really called to do. That to me is troublesome. The warning was sounded for years that the education system in this country is gradually being taken over by those that do not like Christians. The all the you know the super left, so to speak. And something I noticed, I, I noticed this in one county in particular. I kind of paid attention in, a, in one place that I was at. How much the bureaucracy in education has grown. We, have, we are so top-heavy on administration in schools, it is alarming. And they all collect big six-figure salaries and benefits. There's this aristocratic educational class out there of the high-paid, politically correct, administrative level that keeps getting bigger and bigger in your school district. When you spend upwards of $24,000 per student from elementary school through high school, the results we're getting for our money are pretty dismal. And the school unions don't want any competition. Now they want to basically shut down charter schools. They want to make competition to their monopoly 
really difficult. The Bible says you reap what you sow. When the churches should have responded, many failed, many didn't care, many thought it won't happen here. They didn't listen to the warning. I'm warning you, it's going to get worse in this country of religious freedom. A lot of what many people preach, myself included, will be considered hate speech by by some at some point. And on certain platforms, my voice will be silent. It's going to happen. Now, is this the Great Tribulation? Maybe not. When did the Bible promise smooth sailing for the church or Christians? It never did. Our time in the United States has been an anomaly. Our time in much of the world where Christians were free to worship has been an anomaly compared to other times in history. It's not going to inherently get better. And trying to do spiritual warfare at a ballot box, you just found out it doesn't work. The enemy will stuff the box anyway. We've got to be prepared for a different time. I I look on expanding shortwave usage. I'm doing some background research. Just pray for me. There could be some wonderful opportunity out there to enhance, expand, and grow. Working with other people. I think there's a lot that can be done, a lot of ministries. If you're listening on KVOH, I need to know. Voice of Hope Africa, let the station know. WRMI, let me know any way you can. The website works. Truth2Ponder.com. You can just write Bob at Truth2Ponder.com. The email comes directly to me. Regular U.S. mail still works. We are at 21 Berkshire Lane, number 263. 21 Berkshire Lane, number 263. Sky Valley, Georgia, 30537. 21 Berkshire Lane, number 263. Sky Valley, Georgia, 30537. If you want to enclose a small check to help the ministry, make it payable to Ancient Word Radio. And we will keep this thing on shortwave. Until next week, may God richly bless you is my prayer. This has been Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. To find out more, visit our website, Truth, the number two, and the word ponder.com. That's Truth, the number two, ponder.com. Truth to Ponder, shining the light of truth in a darkening world.